Welcome to yet another episode of Home Ice Advantage. I hope everyone is having a great time this Wednesday morning. Tomorrow is game day against the Edmonton Oilers, but we'll get to that. Because I am in a great mood. For only the second time in Hurricanes history and third time in franchise history, the team has started 3-0 on the season. We did it last year. And then before that, the last time we did it was 1995-1996. I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but it just feels good. And yeah, 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 I hear you. It's early in the season. Don't overreact. Don't be so happy. But hey, if Edmonton fans can get pissy this early, I can get happy this early. Let's get into the show. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Welcome back to Home Ice Advantage. My name's, of course, Colin. And if you couldn't hear, when I play James Taylor, I am living in bliss. So as I mentioned, the Hurricanes are 3-0 to start the season. A feat that they have not accomplished often. They did it last year, and that was the only time they'd ever done it in Carolina. The only time we'd ever done it in franchise history, again, as I mentioned earlier, was in 1995-1996. That season, they actually started the year out 4-0, but it was not enough of a head start to save their head coach, Paul Holm- Holmgren? Hopefully that's right. Paul Holmgren. If I'm wrong, go ahead and tweet at me, at Colin Homeice on Twitter. Either way, 12 games into the season, Holmgren gets fired, and they bring in longtime Hurricanes head coach for his first year, Paul Maurice, who had spent years working for Peter Kamanos. But none of this is the point. That was a quick history lesson during my Jubilee. I can't stop myself. But I guess we should be going to Seattle right now and talking about the Hurricanes getting the job done. Not that anyone expected them to lose that game. In fact, if they did, we would have questions right now. But they went to Seattle and did exactly what they were supposed to do. The Carolina Hurricanes defeat the Seattle Krakens 5-1. And honestly, I... I might be alone on this one from what I've seen. I didn't love the first period, again, but that is a very Carolina Hurricanes thing to say. We almost never love the first period. And excluding the Jarvis goal that we'll get to in just a second, I wasn't very impressed. We took two stupid penalties, which again is completely on brand for us, but overall I just, it always seems like it takes us a quick second to get to our game, and again, I'll touch on that in a second. But first, let's go to the Seth Jarvis goal, which is honestly a play of sticking with it, of digging in. Uh, trade and walk trip Tracy. Sorry, I have to say it. But Coglin takes a shot on net. It gets deflected. Sebastian Ajo recovers in front of the net and tries to stuff it in on the pads of Grubauer. Grubauer stops it, 
and it's still loose up in front, and somehow Seth Jarvis is able to get his stick in and give the puck just enough air to get it past Grubauer's glove. Chase drive goes wide. Aho to the rebound. Grubauer loses it. They'll score! Oh, Carolina gets off to the quick start that Tripp was looking for. I stand corrected. It was a Brady Shea shot that led to the Aho rebound that led to the Jarvis goal. But my overall point had nothing to do with that, so I'm going to let that mistake slide, and we're going to move forward. And the reason I like this goal so much is because these are the stupid goals you need to win championships. These are the goals where no one gave up on the play, even though, it, I mean, the goalie technically, well, he didn't technically have it. And that's kind of the point, is that even though they could have just given up, hey, Grubauer's got it, let's, you know, get ready for the face-off. It's no. Keep jamming your stick in there and trying to make a play. And we'll come back to that with the final goal of the game. But the first period ends, and again, I'm not super impressed with the cane so far. I'm happy that we were leading 1-0, but overall, uh, I could take it or leave it. But we play on. Carolina actually was had a power play towards the end of the fourth period, at 13.43 of the fourth period. They went on the power play. They could not convert. Then four minutes into the second period, I'm sorry, eight minutes into the second period, Jordan Ebele uh, gets called for slashing on Andrei Svechnikov. Listen, we are good. Our power play has looked good. We're going to score, but we don't. We don't convert yet again. And less than two minutes after, I'm sorry, a little over two minutes after his forced penalty, Ebele gets called again, but this time for high-sticking Brett Pesci. And everyone knows the old saying, Thor times the charm, right? Burns directing traffic. He'll get it right back. Burns. He'll get it now. Ah, oh, the score! Power play goal! Carolina! What a swooping, put yourself in position to fire it quickly and with rise from Sebastian Ajo. There was no way Grubauer doesn't want both of these four goals back. The one against South Jarvis, he should have had. He should have just put his glove down and stopped the puck from moving. But he couldn't get there in time. He didn't realize where it was. And then on this one, he overcommits and assumes that Sebastian Alho is going to shoot low. So he starts lowering himself towards the ice. Starts getting in butterfly. Sebastian Alho shoots for the top blocker side. And you can see in the replay, the puck just barely gets over Grubauer's elbow. That he's trying to overextend, you know, as a hope and a prayer to keep the puck from going in the net. I don't want to take anything away from the boys. It was a good shot by Sebastian Alho, and it was a good power play by the team, and Brett Burns actually picks up his forced point as a hurricane on this play. But Grubauer should have stopped that. But, hey, all goals count, and I am more than willing to expel some demon because Grubauer loses position. Speaking of losing position, let's transition to Jordan Marnock, who just moments after the goal is scored, commits a tripping penalty against Andre Bravrovsky in what was retaliation for what I believe was a stupid and unnecessary hit against Seth Jarvis. Except, the hit on Jarvis doesn't get called. Marnuk gets called for tripping, which it plainly was. And this is the stupid penalty that I get tired of with hockey culture. Because hockey culture is, no, you, you go and you hit them back for them hitting your team. Which, okay, cool. Except what are you going to do when you're in the penalty box? And this isn't just against Jordan Marnock. It's hockey culture as a whole. 
I am unwilling to put the team in a bad situation for retribution when there's better ways of getting it. Okay, so Seth Jarvis takes an elbow to the face. It's terrible, it shouldn't happen, and it should have been called, but it wasn't. What are we going to do? Are we going to go and start elbowing people in the face or tripping them in broad daylight at center ice? No, go score a goal, because God forbid you get called in the retaliation, it's going to cost you one day. And in this case, it did, just four seconds into the power play. The same player, and I mean the very same player, Martin just tripped Bavrovsky, is the recipient of a tic-tac-toe pass, Anderson loses sight, and he gets to get his 300th career point off of a blatantly open net. And again, this is not an attack against Marnuk, although we'll talk about some stuff later. This is just, I can't stand when people do this. You cost us a goal. You cost Freddie Anderson a shutout, which was more than possible without this power play goal, because you wanted retribution that you could have gotten yourself with a goal. Although, I guess, I didn't have much time to complain about this. So, Jordan Marnuk is called for a trip at 259 of the second period. 15 seconds later of game time, importantly game time here, not real time, but game time, after the Kraken score their goal, Vince Dunn is called for high-sticking against Sebastian Ajo. And just nine seconds after that call, on the power play, Andre Svechnikov is able to bury a pass from Sebastian Ajo that literally crosses the crease, wide open net, very similar to the goal that the Kraken just scored. Now to Nason, back to Ajo, sends it across, no score! Svechnikov buries it on the power play, and the Canes get their two-goal lead right back! As a little treat for those of us who miss John Forslund, which I do every day, I will play the Kraken call, and this is honestly a little bit mean, but I'll let you hear the call first. 300 career points now for Andre Burakovsky for that goal. Aho across they go, they make it look easy. Andre Svechnikov. Carolina gets it right back as the Kraken kill breaks down. I say that's mean because you can hear the devastation in John Forslund's voice having to call that. He's celebrating a career milestone. And then they make it look easy. Oof. I've been there. Respect to Kraken fans. This isn't an insult, but oh my god, does that make me feel good. It makes me feel good to my soul. Especially because 69 seconds later, and I'm aware that the NHL has clarified this and said it's now 70 seconds, but I... Fake news. Hashtag fake news. It is 69 seconds later. Andrei Svechnikov scores again. This time a reflection off of a Martin Natchez shot that he took from in between the dots. It hits the shaft of Svechnikov's stick and then perfectly goes into the back of the net. Svechnikov back to Natchez. Natchez has time. He'll shoot, he scores! Net front by Svechnikov. Natchez, no hesitation. And the Canes have exploded to take a 4-1 lead. This goal would actually give Martin Natchez his point of the night but it would extend his scoring streak to three games. He has now scored in every single game of the season. Martin Natchez is straight up on fire. Andrei Svechnikov, 100% on fire. That confidence line, which, by the way, uh, thank you. I've seen a couple of people 
call other people out when they try to call it something else. I appreciate that. It gives me a chuckle. Thank you. But that confidence line is on fire. I don't remember where I heard this, and I've been r- racking my brain trying to remember. But it 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 could have been post game. I it doesn't matter. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm taking someone's thing here. But someone said that the the really really nice part of Kak and Yemi, who is one of the top players in NHL right now, in the dot, is that he wins the face off and then just lets Martin Natchez and Andrei Svechnikov get to work. Just hey guys, yep, go score a goal. Thank you, appreciate it. Let's win some hockey games. And I 100% agree with that statement. I haven't quite put my finger on it yet. But that is 100% what it is. Moving to our final goal of the game, we'll look at Jordan Marnuk, who does everything in his power to create this chance. He pressures the defenseman to be able to fumble the puck to begin with. He fights in the board battle to recover it and sends it up ice to a Jacob Slavin, who seals the zone and puts it back on net. From there, Paul Stastny and Marnuk do everything in their power to try to knock this puck into the net which Marnuk eventually gets done. Now it's kept in by Slavin. Slavin has a lane. His shot through rebound is out in front. The score! Oh, what a big play for Jordan Martinuk. The alternate captain fights his way to the top of the paint, and the Canes take a 5-1 lead. I, I don't want to get too deep into this game for two reasons. The first one being that we did what we were supposed to do. There, there's nothing I'm super upset about. I don't like the Marnuk penalty, but it is what it is. But excluding, you know, hoping that Andre got his hat trick, I don't really want to dive into anything else because with the Kraken, and I mean this in a very respectful manner, trying to criticize the Kraken is like bullying a child as a grown adult. It is me as a 24-year-old man driving to a middle school finding an 8th grader, and making fun of them. It's just not okay. It, it, I'm pretty sure it might be a crime. I guess we'll find out. But So we're just not going to do that with the Kraken. But the other reason I don't want to talk about it, because these first three games against Columbus, San Jose, and now the Kraken, I mean, they're games. They count. They are in the standings. We got points from them. We're up six points on the year. Yes. But all three of those teams are teams we're supposed to beat. Moving forward, going to Edmonton on Thursday, so tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, that's a game that's a lot more questionable. Can we beat the Oilers? Sure we can. They literally lost tonight, as I'm recording this, to the Sabres 4-2. And, I mean, honestly, they got a little goalie there, but hey, a loss is a loss. And then from there, we go and play Calgary. And then Vancouver, who has not been good, but whatever. And then the Islanders. And then Philly, who is still undefeated, but we'll get to that. And then Washington. So these next, the the end of October is when we're going to start showing that we are actually who we say we are. And you have to reprove that every season. It's part of it. So yeah, it's cool that we beat Columbus and Buffalo. I'm sorry, Columbus, San Jose, and Seattle. Okay, let's go do some work. Now we need to go show that we can beat Connor McDavid. And then we need to go to Calgary and show that we can beat Markstrom. And then we need to go to Vancouver and prove that it, you know, we can still beat the teams we're supposed to beat. Because that's not a guarantee in this league. Everyone here is a professional. Everyone gets paid to win hockey games. Well, not everyone, but we're going to leave Arizona alone. Because again, we don't like bullying children here. And if the Kraken's an 8th grader, the Coyotes might legitimately be a 4th grader. Wow, I took that in a really deep way. Uh, my point is here is that these next couple of games 
are going to matter a lot more about where the team actually is in comparison to our last three. If we can somehow come out of Western Canada with four points, I'm going to be happier than Stormy and his own manure. Like, it will be a great time. Normally, this is when I would transition and try to play post-game audio or just give quotes from post-game. But unfortunately, it really looks like we didn't get anything. We did get post-game, um, but the questions aren't by our regular media members. And with all due respect to the reporters who asked the questions, none of them were good questions. At one point, Rod was asked about Brady Shea, and they... The reporter asked, you know, he, he really seemed to uh, stay with the pressure and use his stick smartly to do everything he can to make sure the puck would stay in his zone. Is that something you're looking for in your club? Is Rod Brendamore looking for players who pressure the puck and use a smart stick? Are you kidding me? I understand that this is probably someone from some local outlet who barely even knows who Rod Brendamore is, but I don't care. I'm not covering that. What a stupid question, and I don't mean to dunk on this guy. I really don't. I just can't believe you're going to ask Rod Brendamore if the attribute he's looking for in his player is someone who pressures the puck and uses a smart stick. You mean hockey? You mean does he want hockey players? Huh, <sighs> whatever, whatever, whatever. Not the point. Not the point. Anyways, the other post game they released was, was with Sebastian Ajo. And Sebastian Ajo is really good at giving hockey player answers of, you know, we worked as a team, we accomplished our goals as a team, we're going to continue to win as a team, stuff like that. It's kind of useless. So that will not be here this episode. I apologize. But I will finish this off with a couple subjects and then some cool stats right at the end of the show. The first thing I want to talk about is Jordan Marnuk, and I, I said I would. Jordan Marnuk has taken some flack from Hurricanes fans on whether or not he deserves to be on our roster. And after scoring that goal, which I will admit and say everything on, that he created that opportunity, and then he stuck with it to make sure it got to the back of the net. That is a John Marnock goal through and through. Those are the type of goals he scores, and I'm happy with it. But you cannot tell me that that one goal makes up for his mistakes. I'm not saying trade Marnuk tomorrow. I am not saying he can't be on this team. But if you think that he's worth the 3.47 or whatever the heck it is that we have to pay him next year to do stuff like that, you're wrong. Through the first two games of the season, he made more than a few mistakes. Yes, he had a few good looks, but he also almost cost us a goal as, you know, it just so happened to get overturned. And then tonight, he commits a penalty which costs us on the power play. And it's a stupid penalty. So please don't just... The, the problem with hockey media, hockey fans, is especially in this low time, it's, it's not that Jordan Marnock is a terrible player. First of all, he plays in the league, so he's not a terrible player. You cannot be a terrible player in the National Hockey League. You can be bad by comparison, but for you to play in the National Hockey League, you're already in the 0.1 percentile of all hockey players on the face of the planet. My problem with this is actually the people who are now, well, Jordan Marnock is God's gift to the Carolina Hurricanes. No, he's not. Listen, just just no, he's not. Please just stop. Just he's a good player. He's a good guy. We're all happy he's here. Even the people who say he doesn't deserve to be in the lineup are still like, hey, he's a great guy. Can we just live with that and move on with our lives? And then from there, we get the people who have decided that this is the time that they're going to come after Terry Vinan. 
that Terravinen isn't producing, Terravinen looks sloppy, why is Terravinen acting this way, are we going to have to trade Terravinen? Guys, guys, I just shouldn't even say guys, y'all, why? Why? We're three games into the season. You were filling every stereotype. You were overreacting to three games into the season. Oh my god, a hockey player is rusty. Someone called the New York Times. Is the Washington Post on this? What what are we doing? What are we doing, guys? Give him a moment. And also, at this point, he doesn't super need to be producing points because Sebastian Alho, Seth Jarvis, Martin Natchez, and Svechnikov are producing. But even if that wasn't true, it's three games into the season. Take a break. Go outside. Touch some grass where you still can. Look at those green trees because they're not going to be there much longer. And relax. But to wrap up this episode, I wanted to give us a few stats that, I, again, don't matter because we're three games into the season. But... The Carolina Hurricanes are now one of four teams that have made it to 3-0 on the season. The first one being us, the Carolina Hurricanes. Then we have the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. Calgary, not so surprising. I'm interested to see if Dallas can get back to where they were uh, pre-COVID. I don't necessarily think they can, but that's going to be a storyline I keep my eye on. And then the final undefeated team of the season is John Tortorella's Philadelphia Flyers, who are now 3-0 on the season. And they haven't just played a team like Vancouver, who looks like they're going to be worse than we thought they were, and a team like New Jersey, who keeps saying that they're going to be better and don't really show us the results. But they also beat Tampa 3-2. So, you know, I'm here for a Cinderella story. But overall, still screw Philly and, you know, hope they're eighth in the Metro because, you know, it makes it easier for us to be first. But... Besides that, I also want to look at Brett Pesci, who is plus seven through three games played. Listen, y'all, I don't want to overreact to this because, you know, again, three games in the season. You've now heard me say this 20 times, and part of it was yelling at you, so, you know, I get the point. But my point here is that a lot of our players, a lot of our depth players that we've known for years, a.k.a. Brett Pesci or Jakub Slavin, (laughs) anyways, are going to be talked about nationally a lot more than they were. Even with Jakub Slavin, or Jacob Slavin, as you know, weirdos call him, has won the Lady Bing. He's still not super talked about. They don't get the respect they deserve. But we're getting very close to being the perennial cup contender, which means we're getting very, very close to other teams actually paying attention to us and actually seeing our good players. None of that really being the point, but that's something you should keep your eye out for. The Carolina Hurricanes are currently tied for the best goals against average in the league with Dallas at 1. We are 7th in the faceoff dot at 55.6, and we're 3rd in shots against at 24.7. Three games into the season, we are in a very good place, and I'm hoping that we will stick like this for a while, because there's nothing like Canes hockey when the Hurricanes are winning. Except when we lose for a very long time and then win, because that's the emotion in that one's just a lot higher. But anyways, looking forward to the game against Edmonton, we should win this game. And we shouldn't just win this game because I'm biased, which I clearly am. I'm a homer all of the way. If you ever hear me say that the Hurricanes will lose their next game, 
I want you to call 911 and report something, because clearly I've been taken hostage. Edmonton has not been playing well at home. And why do I know this? Because they literally just lost, like, tonight, as I'm recording this, minutes ago, they lost to the Buffalo Sabres 4-2. The game before that against Calgary, they lost 3-4. And then they beat Vancouver in their home opener 5-3. A team, again, that they should have beat. The reason I'm pointing this out is because they have not played well at home. They started their season on a seven-game homestand, and from the looks of it, they might win two of those games. You know, it's still early, I'm not calling anything yet, but I would get excited for Thursday night, because if we dominate against the Oilers, which it very much looks like we could, we will be talking a lot more seriously going through the rest of the season. It's early starts like this, which we did last year, but no one quite believed it. But if we can do it again, it's early starts like this that start building our reputation as the true cup contender we are. Because somehow, people still don't believe we do. People still say the Rangers. The stupid Rangers are going to win the Metro this year. Oh, well, everyone said that Chris Kreider isn't going to score 50 again, and he totally could, and it looks like he might just. Igor is uh, still playing very, very well. Guys, guys, we're three games into the fucking season, and people are going to say that the Rangers, literally, high-profile people, the Rangers are cup contenders. That is who I'm picking to win the Stanley Cup. What is wrong with you? What is, what, what, what is wrong with you? What have the Rangers actually done to show that they're a contender? What, beat us? They beat a team who couldn't score in the playoffs and they had to take it to a Game 7 to do it? Are you kidding me? That's nothing. And no, Chris Carter is not going to be able to have the same amazing year. And no, Storkin is not going to have the Hart Candace trophy season that he had. Are you insane? Are you? I will eat the hat I'm wearing right now if they do. I'm just putting that out there right now. But this has gone way out of direction which means we need to bring in Brass Bonanza. As always, I want to thank you so much for supporting the show. Without listeners like you, I literally wouldn't be doing this anymore. And I very much appreciate your support. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Colin Home Ice. If you don't want to, I mean, fine then. You're, you can just be like, no, just be like that. Just be like that then. Fine. Either way, I thank everyone for listening. Please rate us, review us if you have the time, share it with a friend. If not, as always, support the Hurricanes in any way you can. Have a good night. I might see you on Saturday, no promises yet. Got a lot of work this week. If not, I'll see you next Wednesday. But either way, I will be on Twitter, so follow me there.